Welcome to my podcast Freestyle. This is series two and this is episode seven. Today I'm delighted to welcome British international dressage rider and trainer Jessica Dunn. Jess is the winner of many regional and national titles including recently competing at International Grand Prix. I've always been a fan of Jess. She's a stunning rider and a lovely person. In this episode I want to find out more about Jess, her daily routine, her up-and-coming horses, who inspires her, how she deals with negative situations. She recently became a mum to her son Dougie. I'd love to find out about the impact of announcing her pregnancy and what it's like now she's a mum and a dressage rider i really hope you enjoy this thank you very much for listening and please share this hi jess thank you very much for joining me on my podcast today how did you first get involved with horses so i came from quite a horsey uh, background my mum was uh, worked in racing and point to point and hunting and things like that so I think I was always going to go into horses um, my dad wasn't horsey at all but he soon um, he soon learned how to be horsey <laughs> coming from that kind of background with my mum but um, yeah I think mum was a bit devastated when I eventually decided to do dressage from the background that she was in but never mind. <laughs> how old were you when you first went into dressage then? I think I probably I'd always been really interested in doing the flat work side of things when I did eventing and um, through pony club and stuff it was always something I sort of leaned towards and then I had uh, the opportunity of an FEI event pony who, who I aimed for one season and unfortunately broke down so we didn't have any money to replace him or sort of get anything that would be up at that level so I ended up getting a newly backed four-year-old from Ireland and she ended up not being particularly talented at jumping so it was kind of a bit of a natural progression that I ended up sort of leaning towards the dressage more and then yeah and then I just kind of caught the caught the real bug from it from there. Because you did like the juniors and young riders as well didn't you? Yeah I did yeah. um I did a season of juniors uh, or yeah. two seasons of juniors yeah and just for the listeners can you just give them a bit of a background of like what you've done you've done like uh you did an international grand prix the other day didn't you but um ju- yeah just like a little bit like some of the big shows that you've done and tournaments and things so i i probably would say my um one of my biggest shows was i did the youth olympics in sydney australia in 2009 where we got team silver and in i got individual bronze and i was on that team with charlie hutton and emily cousins oh yeah he was talking about that cuz he was on my podcast and he was he was talking all about that about the sydney oh yeah it yeah. was it was amazing it was a really cool experience i have to say it was great yeah, yeah and then I did a couple of junior internationals with my mare that I had at the time, which was quite a big achievement because she had an appalling canter and was probably the most downhill mare you've ever come across. <laughs> so uh, we did, uh, but we held our own. Really? A few placings. Yeah. So that was, that was uh, good. And then, yeah, I suppose my, my biggest competitions would have been over the past couple of years with Alicante Valley, who's owned by um, Jennifer Whitaker at Whitehill Stud. He's probably taken me from, I think I probably I started at Advanced Medium with him, and we then progressed to International Small Tour. He was one of the most successful Small Tour horses of 2019, and I think we 
we won like we won at Hickstead and Hartbury and we won in Samuel. We our biggest claim to fame that we came second to Glamourdale oh, wow. <laughs> in the free San George. So <laughs> we're holding on to that one. <laughs> Um, and then yeah and then obviously we managed to go Grand Prix last year and do a couple of internationals and we went to Le Mans and were also placed in the top three so yeah that's probably my most successful horse to date. Yeah and what about other horses that you've got up and coming then what are they like? So I, I've i had a bit of a tricky year really so Cello had to be retired and then I unfortunately lost my next best horse in a really tragic field accident um last month so he was just ready to go grand prix i've had him since he was five he was owned by a lovely set of owners that i've got georgie newton and her mum and they have been owners for all that time and he was just ready to go grand prix and um unfortunately that happened so that's that's been really hard to sort of get over and then i've got I have two pre-San George horses ready for next year that are both owned by White Hill Stud. One who is a little bit tricky, so we'll just see how his journey progresses. Then we have another one who is very new to our team, but has just been on a massive winning streak since we bought him in July. So he's a really, really good prospect for new, for next year. And I hope by the end of next year, we'll sort of be leaning towards Grand Prix again. So but he's very exciting and he's a really nice kind character and very much like cello was so so yeah so he's a nice one to add to the team and then i've just got a couple of really smart four-year-olds two four-year-olds from white hill stud again who are lovely little characters one is a homebred and then one is a little mare that she bought as a foal and then i've got my well he will be how old will he be be five next year but we'll just see how that goes because at the moment I haven't yet managed to ride with another horse successfully so (laughs) he's a bit of a long-term project (laughs) yeah I mean I know how you feel because I lost a horse last year that was ready for a grand prix that I'd had like from the beginning and then previously before that I had one with lymph that got lymphangitis age six he had all the talent in the world it's so hard isn't it when you lose them because it just like wipes you off your feet really yeah it does and I felt it's been I found it really difficult because I've sort of battled with the fact that I'm bitterly disappointed that you know you've worked for so long and you yeah exactly yeah exactly and you just get knocked off your feet don't you it's like it's it's heartbreaking but then at the same time it's like you lose your best friend as well don't you so it's like such a and I always feel a bit selfish saying like oh you know I was just ready to go Grand Prix because really he didn't know that and he didn't I don't think he really cared but (laughs) you know it's it's such a it's like a double whammy for us riders because you've got the disappointment of you know all that hard work and effort you've put in and then the fact that you've lost a friend as well so it's just it is devastating it's not it's not easy for any of us to to get over I don't think I think that's the thing about dressage it's such a roller coaster because you're on a high or you're on a low unless you've got like you know loads and loads of money and lots of different horses it's it's really hard how do you personally deal with the ups and downs of the sport I mean I think I think I've got quite I think I've got quite a good character in that respect that I can I can sort of pick myself up and 
sort of see the net yeah see the next positive and and try and carry on I'll have a few a few days where I wallow in self-pity or (laughs) yeah you know upset that I haven't got a team of a big long string of horses or I don't have you know I've not won the lottery or whatever it is and but at the end of the day I think anybody that's in this game sort of you're there to work hard even if you do have lots of money you still have to work hard at it so yeah I just think um, you just have to keep telling yourself, right, well, <laughs> let's start again. Yeah. So, and yeah, and I suppose it's harder for some people to be like that than others. I wouldn't say there's, I've got a certain coping mechanism. I've probably got really good people around me that give me a good kick up the bum when I need it and, you know, a hug when I need it. But, um, but yeah, I think I probably just am that that kind of person that kind of goes right well let's start again yeah. Yeah. <laughs> off we go <laughs> yeah so I mean it's all you can really do isn't it you've got to just keep carry on well <laughs> well yeah otherwise you get stuck don't you and then you're, you're not going to get anywhere so I think um, it's probably um it's probably something that us all riders possess don't they because you get knocked back so often you have yeah. to be quite resilient I suppose don't you even if you do have your bad days along with it I think there's that and then I think when it's happened to you a few times like I personally now the good times I enjoy them so much more because you know that that can be taken away from you at any point really yeah yeah 100% yeah I think it can as I'm getting older I relax more with it as well and think well enjoy that that was a good day or you know good ride or whatever it's good yeah yeah I agree with that I do yeah which which of the dressage riders do you admire and why or maybe there's a couple I don't know I probably would say, I mean, I'm a big fan of Isabel Worth, so um, she's uh, like one of my top people. But then there's a rider in Germany called Matthias Bauten, who I met originally when I worked for um, Herr Wittig, and he used to come for lessons every now and again, and I'd see him out competing. And he was just always one of those riders that made you stop and look at him. You yeah. know, he had he's got incredible empathy and feel and just the way his horses go, they look like, you know, the complete happy athlete and yeah, I just there was something about him that when, when I watched him ride or what when I watch him ride or if he ever <laughs> stalking his internet yeah. <laughs> in his Instagram and watching his videos, I just think he's he's a phenomenal rider and um yeah, I I would always if I was ever riding and he was having a lesson, I could barely concentrate because I just wanted to watch and take in everything he was doing. He's just got one of those sort of personas, you know, that really sort of commands your attention. I think he is yeah. he's phenomenal. Yeah, so he's probably like my biggest person that I aspire to to, to ride be. like. Yeah. yeah. And I um you were in Germany then were you? I didn't realise. Were you there for a few years or what yeah, did you yeah. I I went just I went in twenty fourteen and I was there for just under four years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that a good experience? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I I I have like some regrets over the fact that I don't I think I was too shy to um to really take it for what it was I think I was a little bit too underconfident but but you know the Vitigs were incredible they gave me the most amazing opportunities I rode unbelievable horses I met lots and lots and lots of really cool people it you know yes it was very hard and uh, <laughs> and I was 
you know sort of very ready for a break at the uh, by the time that I left and I think in hindsight I kind of wish that I'd taken a bit of a break and then maybe oh. gone back and you know gone gone somewhere else but maybe gone back you know and just sort of maybe sought to see more of Germany and see more people and um, you know base myself with a few different riders maybe and just get a bit more experience because I loved I loved their you know their their way of doing it it really sort of fits in with the way that I ride and and how I like to produce my horses and yeah I just I, I think I could have taken it for I, I could have got more out of it you know unfortunately but you only learn these things when you're a bit older don't you and you look back and think oh god <laughs> I was yeah. so young and I just didn't I didn't see what kind of opportunity was there in front of me but um but I, you know, I learned an incredible amount, and I still, he is, um, Hevitig was the PF master. I have never known anybody be able to get horses to PF like he can. So, um, you know, he was he. I thank him for everything that he ever did for me because it was, um, it was, you know, pretty cool. And what was he doing it in hand or when he was riding? Mm. No, mostly just 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 ridden work, but I I don't know what it was about him. Like he could get on anything and it pee off well. Really? <laughs> I just yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I just I he he was just incredible. He was just an incredible horseman, you know. Um, like his seat and the way he did things. I remember I you rode a little mare for him and. I found her so difficult and it probably took me three months to get like three ones and I just could not get these three ones it took me forever and then this one day I cracked it and I was like oh I went to him and so excited and he was like oh well I'll have a sit now so he had a sit and just bashed out 20 ones (laughs) (laughs) and I was like how how have you done that I don't get it you know and yeah from that day on like she was just she just kept uh, he just kept getting better and better with these ones and I could still only get three and I thought (laughs) oh my god I have so much to learn (laughs) oh that's that does sound like you had an amazing experience you know no matter what so that's good do you have a fitness regime Jess like I know you've had a baby which will come on to it but um yeah what do you do to stay fit yeah so I did a lot of yoga which I actually really enjoyed it it was one of those things that beforehand I think I really can't be bothered to do this and then once I was midway through it I I really enjoyed it and I felt great for doing it I've kind of got out of the habit of doing it now but yeah now that I have had Dougie I I go on the reformer twice a week so I do a, a, a full reformer session then I do a personal training session and then now that it's winter that'll probably be as much as I can fit in with daylight hours but but sort of in summer I do like to run as much as possible and I have actually put got a place on the London Marathon next year so I'm gonna oh, have exciting. to get running yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your what's your daily routine like what what's a, yeah what's a normal day for you I mean, now that I have a little human in tow, I don't think really any day is the same. But I would say it it, it can really change. I, I mean, I um, so he goes to nursery now on a Monday and a Tuesday. So they're probably my most normal days. And my mum and his other uh, grandma have him on a Thursday and Friday. So 
those are the days where I sort of get up at between five and six, which is when he wakes up. We have breakfast. He'll go to nursery or be picked up by a, a grandparent. And then I ride from sort of half seven, eight. I have six to ride at White Hill and then one of my own. So I ride till about one, two o'clock and then I'll do a couple of hours teaching or, you know, running or whatever it is that I else that I need to do and then we between me and my other half Nathan we do either pick up from nursery or pick up from a grandparent and then evening routine he goes to bed at about 7 p.m does Dougie and then we do between Nathan and I we do any sort of work that we need to do planning of diaries show planning of shows and all that kind of jazz (laughs) and then by that time I'm very much ready for my bed (laughs) so yeah so it's 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 like organized chaos I would say (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think now is probably a good point actually to talk about congratulations on your baby by the way but how was like pregnancy and riding how did how did all that work out? Uh, it wasn't too bad. I was horrifically sick, so I had really bad morning sickness from six weeks up until the day he was born. So I would say for the first up until I think I let everybody know when I was about twenty weeks, and it was the hardest twenty weeks ever. I bet it was. Yeah, <laughs> because I was. I, I was so poorly and I just could and obviously I was still competing so at that point I did um Kiso CDI and then we went from Kiso straight to France to Le Mans and only a really small number of people knew so um I just spent my whole time like backwards and forwards from the lorry and <laughs> sitting sort of like taking deep breaths thinking oh god I just feel horrific <laughs> I must look awful but uh, yeah, everyone was very good um, and supportive that was around me that did know and made it a lot easier because it, it could have been pretty horrendous and then I stopped riding at 22 weeks because I was placenta previa so your placenta's right at the bottom with the baby's weight on it I was a bit concerned with how bouncy cello was to ride at the time. <laughs> I just thought it wasn't really like very sensible. And I had a chat with, with Jen and she wasn't keen on me carrying on riding, knowing it was her horses and she wouldn't want anything bad to happen. So we just decided it was, you know, the best option not to. Our head girl at the time and manager of the Amber, she took over sort of ticking mine over and riding the young horses and she did an amazing job so I just sort of tacked up for her I I took on her role really (laughs) tacked up for her drove the lorry theraplate sessions and all that kind of jazz so it was quite good really because it did keep me fit but you know I wasn't actually riding so I was but yeah the the sickness really wasn't nice and I don't know if I'd have been able to carry on riding for much longer anyway because I just it was awful (laughs) I've never felt as poorly in my life (laughs) and was like the actual pregnancy and stuff was that okay then were you all all right yeah it wasn't too bad obviously Um, not pleasant I got taken into hospital a couple of times in one week I have kidney disease so um, my levels were really fluctuating and um, the the hospital weren't keen on uh, how much pressure my kidneys seemed to be under so um, 
they decided uh, I went for one set of blood tests and it showed that my kidneys were really struggling so they decided that it was time for me to be induced and just to get things moving so I was 37 weeks at that point so it you know I was close enough really for it to all sort of run smoothly but then the first day in hospital I was tested positive for COVID so then even though I was fine I was in full isolation so I wasn't allowed out of my room I wasn't allowed visitors it was just shocking I couldn't go for a walk I wasn't allowed around the like on the ward or the hospital or it was just awful (laughs) it was it was a hellish experience Um, sounds like prison yeah and then I ended up yeah yeah it was it was awful and then I um I did actually start going into labor and then I contracted sepsis so I then had to have an emergency (laughs) c-section so it was just it was just all a bit dramatic but that's kind of me so (laughs) I don't think anybody was expecting anything less to be honest (laughs) and then after Um, that how long how long before you started riding again well, because I'm impatient and I don't listen to anything anyone tells me, um, I did actually get on again at about 18 days. But yeah. I literally, I got on, <laughs> I walked three laps of the arena and I got off again. I just needed yeah. it. I needed to like feel <laughs> a bit more normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was it was weird. It was weird. It was it wasn't actually a very nice experience because I think I'd been like sat down or lay down for so long. It felt like I had vertigo. I just felt so high <laughs> off the ground. It was horrible. But then I, I left it a week then, and then I sort of got on and just did little hacks and little jogs around the arena. And um, I probably started back riding for Jen just sort of two three horses a day a couple of days a week uh, about four weeks and then just gradually built it up over over Mm. that time but I think I was I was just lucky my c-section was brilliant you know my healing was really good I just I was very lucky and you know I do not (laughs) advocate doing it to anybody else but (laughs) you know it was I I I am bad for not listening to people and I just was a bit headstrong and just felt like I needed to do it and luckily I was okay but I'm sure it's not recommended. <laughs> like now, do you feel like normal? Like you completely recovered when you're riding? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I was always really obsessed beforehand about having a a good six pack. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it kind of stood me in good stead, really. And I think it was good that I carried on like working on the yard until the day I went in into hospital because I just think it kept everything working quite well and kept me strong but yeah I mean obviously I've you know I don't it doesn't resemble my nice little toned core that I had before which is very depressing (laughs) but I'm sure it will do in time and um, yeah I don't really feel you know I don't feel like I've been cut in half which is effectively what happened (laughs) (laughs) and I bet your life is like just changed massively do you have you found it hard to sort of like keep your business going riding your horses and looking after baby or is it not been too bad I mean I have I do have really good people around me I've got really good friends who you know keep me laughing on the days where I think it's all a bit too much (laughs) my other half is a phenomenal dad like he is very hands-on he makes things very easy it's not all down to me 
we're a real team like it has been it has been very you know easy on on that front um I've got really good grandparents around me or Dougie's got good grandparents around him so everyone has been really helpful but you know I've had I've had days where like it's all been a bit much and I've ended up (laughs) ringing Jen and been crying my eyes out and you know like oh I just can't do this it's too hard and you know (laughs) she's just been like it's fine come up for a brew and you know I go up and have a good chat and she takes Dougie for an hour while I just sort myself out and then you know you carry you get your thoughts in order and you think oh it's fine let's just carry on and then everything is fine again you know so I think everyone you know is going to have those kind of days it is it is a bit manic it's a bit chaotic and sometimes I feel like I'm asking a lot from people I've got a couple of clients um that I've taught for a really long time who are amazing child sitters (laughs) and have been very very (laughs) helpful and you know really sort of hands-on with helping me with him when they've come for lessons so you know I, I I couldn't do it without them all it has been a real team effort you know everyone's got involved and and I can't really thank them enough for everything I you know I wouldn't be able to do what I do or I wouldn't have been able to get back into it so soon if I didn't have mm-hmm. all these people around me so it's definitely you know it's not just um it's not just good organisation on my part. That's definitely not <laughs> how it's worked. It's just, you know, I've just, I have got good people that have helped me. And as much as people that know me well and that might listen to this and think she's lying, I am quite organised when it comes to Dougie. And I might have been very disorganised with disorganised with lessons in the past, but I am, <laughs> um, I've been, I have been quite organised when it comes down to the child. So I um I think that's probably helped me sort of get everything in order and, you know, sort of get a grip of things. So, yeah, it's chaotic, but we're getting there. And when you first announced your pregnancy, like, how did you find people were towards you? Was it all positive? Did you get any negative? Not just, not necessarily, like, it doesn't have to be close people, but other people. How how did people treat you? How was it fine? I think everyone, I think everyone was lovely, to be honest. Good, yeah yeah I think I think really from from my point of view it was more me that put obstacles in the way so I was really I was nervous of telling people in case they thought less of my less of me on a professional level that I'd chosen to have a baby over sort of progressing my career and I know that my career is not huge you know I'm not I'm not Lottie Fry or anyone like that. You know, I'm not, I've, my career's not like at those dizzy heights. But, you know, obviously it's important to me and everybody's career is important to them, isn't it? And I just it. really worried that, yeah, I was just worried that, yeah, that people would think less of me. It's quite, it's a bit hard to explain really because it's it's a real, like, personal battle and it's really stupid and the amount of people that tell me like you're talking rubbish like it this is crazy that you even think that but I suppose I just didn't want to be classed as one of those um like mumsy types (laughs) you know that I know and that's nothing against anyone that is like that I just um it's just not me you know I, I wanted to still sort of have that professional side with my riding and be able to be a good mum at the same time and keep up doing my fitness and things like that and um 
I think then I then at the same time I was worried that people would think I was selfish that I didn't want to devote all my time to Dougie and that I ended up like you know giving him to other people to look after while I go and do my thing it's it's a real internal battle and I'm sure I'm not the only person that sort of thinks like that and I do find it quite hard it's like a, a daily or weekly occurrence that I you know mull over thinking like oh what if people don't look at me as a professional anymore or people look and think that I only ride and I don't look after the child very well or it's a really strange it's a really strange balance to try and um, maintain but I think that's more me that's caused that it's not you know everyone else has been has been lovely and um, accommodating and you know we're really sort of pleased for pleased for me or whatever so um yeah I mean I think like strange one when you see Jessica Vendel and obviously she's come out of pregnancy like doing really well I don't think it should be judged at all like that I think there are some elements where you hear things and not not, nothing to do with you but you know just on in general I think it's something that has to change and I think it is just a short period out of a woman's life really to have the baby and it, it doesn't change you as a professional at all no no it doesn't um if anything, and, you might be even, it even better from a little break, or you don't know, do you? So it could be more positive. No, I, yeah, I would, I would definitely say it's helped me with motivation. I feel yeah. like I probably worked myself. I'd never had a proper break, and apart from sort of injury time off with injuries, I'd never really had a break, and I definitely felt like I was a bit sort of um, stuck in a bit of a hamster wheel, you know, and not really yeah. finding a path and having the time out and sort of having sort of different um motivations now has really helped me like focus on you know what the horses should be doing and the scale that I want them to um go down and so I, I do think that uh as a woman it probably helps a little bit but um yeah it's I, I um yeah it's tricky it's not easy <laughs> do you have any advice for anyone that might be becoming a dressage mum Oh gosh! Um, some tips. <laughs> oh, oh God! I, I actually don't know. I I just I just don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can do it without a lot of help from the outside. You know, I don't think anybody that sort of says that they don't have a lot of help uh, and still manage to ride seven horses a day, I think, are talking rubbish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from my opinion. <laughs> yeah because my my little boy is an amazing sleeper and I can still only ride three in the time that he sleeps at lunchtime so that (laughs) I know that that um doesn't really work for everybody but um I don't think there is any advice other than like anybody else that has already got a little person uh with them and tries to do this knows what you're going through so I think that everybody should just really stick together and you know if anyone needs any help at shows or anything like that like we're always there for childcare or <laughs> I think yeah. I can probably speak to speak on behalf of lots of people who you know if anyone's having a tough day with trying to juggle it or like you know we've all been there or and I mean I'm only at the start of it so I haven't been there been there but I've done a few months of it and um you know everyone's there to help I think you know we shouldn't ever feel like you're on your own if you're uh, struggling to see a way through of how to get through the next day <laughs> but oh, that's yeah good. It, that's good advice 
Um, there's lots of like younger riders that listen to these podcasts as well, and I just wondered if you had any advice in terms of your career that you would give to yourself again. You know, if you could go back again, I don't really like thinking backwards, but you know, just just something that people listeners might um sympathise with. Um, I would just say get get out and see the opportunities that are out there. Don't. I think that um, the path of staying in England or um, wherever you are listening listening to this, but like um, staying in one place and just going to the local rider or, or the local trainer or things like that, I don't think you learn enough. And I think that you are, you're all, you know, we're always learning. We've got so, so much to um, learn when it comes to horses. And I just think that I would not be the rider I am now without Hevitig's input and um and I don't think I took enough from him and and uh, my situation in Germany so I feel like you know even though it's really scary and um my my interview there and my time there was incredibly scary at the beginning but it is the hands down the best thing I ever did. And it got yeah. me some really good contacts. And yeah, I just think I just think I learned so much from it. So I would just say, like, really try to create opportunities for yourself, even if you're really shy and it's the worst thing in the world. Like Stephen Clark sorted out my uh, interview with Herr Wittig for me, but um, I really didn't want to have to ring him because I hate making phone calls. And <laughs> even now at 33, I get really nervous about answering the phone and, and talking to people. <laughs> so, and he, he just said to me, you've got 10 minutes to ring him back. And if you don't, I won't help you again. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he gave me that <laughs> and I just thought, oh my God, I can't let him down. But even though it was the hands down the most frightening thing I've ever done, it was worthwhile. So I just think that you should just put yourself out there and try and learn as much as you possibly can, even if you think like, oh, I can't, I'm too shy or too nervous. I think it's it's really important that people, yeah, just try and see it from as many different angles as possible, really. And that actually leads me to my next question. Who do you train with now? I trained with Richard Davison and Isabel Wessels. Yeah, cool. And is that quite regular? Do you go? How often do you get to go there? Yeah. So Isabel comes up to Whitehill every month, and we we mainly sort of work on test riding and really brushing up on how we do things in a test. And then I go down to Richard either once or twice a month depending on shows and avail- his availability but he's been an absolute game changer uh, for me uh, training with Richard I love his philosophy he doesn't let me be emotional about things because <laughs> yeah. um, I get very I get really worked up if I can't do something or I don't understand or I'm struggling to see the way through it and he always has another perspective and another way of looking at it and it's all about like the least possible tension the least possible pressure of your aids you know it's all about getting the horse to work by releasing tension rather than gaining tension and cello I was told time and time again he wouldn't be a Grand Prix horse and Richard spent two years with me trying to teach him PF and in the end 
we taught at him and he managed to do a full season at Grand Prix and never got below like a 6.5 for his PF, which, you know, for us was miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, from that moment on, really, it was a weird process. It was a long process, but he just told us to trust him and we did and we got there. So, and it was no wit, no spurs. I had to do it on a long rein. I had to teach him to do it purely from a voice aid, you know, and it was just, it was great to, to learn something completely new. And um, yeah, he's just, he's been fantastic. I've, I really enjoy training with him a lot. So, and he's been great for all my horses, to be fair. So yeah, he's been a revelation, really. Oh, that's nice that he's so supportive as well. Do you have a, yeah. do you have a sports psychologist you work with? Um, I don't recently. I did a lot of it when I was younger through the birds scheme. And I had a lady called Moira Lafferty who, to be fair to her, is always at the end of the phone now. Or if she reads a status that I've put on Facebook or a, a post or something like that, and she thinks there's an undertone of me lacking some kind of confidence or anything like that she'll always be there to drop me a message just to give me a little pep talk and we did I did a lot of work with her when I was younger so I haven't really felt that it's been necessary over the past couple of years because I feel like I'm in a really good place with things but I I yeah I know I can always go back to her um if I if I should ever need it that's good and then my million dollar question what is your future aim and goals I mean I mean to be honest I think I would love to represent my country at Grand Prix at senior level in sort of a nation's cup and then looking towards like a a world games a Europeans or you know even an Olympics if I ended up having that kind of horsepower and I was at that stage of my career I think that's always been my goal since I was little yeah but I think these days I would I also would like to just be the best at what I'm doing (laughs) you know like yeah yeah Yeah. I think if my horses are happy and they're progressing and and I'm still enjoying what I'm doing and I give good lessons to all my clients and they feel like they take things away from from it then then I'm also happy with that it's not to say that that's where I want it to end but I think these days I'm much more happy that that's a good aim for that week or that month or even that year <laughs> you know yeah. if that's all yeah. that's that's you know if that's the horsepower I've got or if that's the time I've got that year you know there's lots of things that I'd like to do like judge training and stuff like that but realistically I don't have the time to fit it in or the money to pursue it or anything like that so you know their goals for further down the line but but yeah I just just to keep going the way I am I suppose at the moment and keep those future big goals in mind but yeah. if I can get one or two of my current horses up to Grand Prix in the next couple of years then that's also a great goal so yeah yeah well thank you Jess it was great oh, to talk to you I've really enjoyed it as well thank you so, uh, <laughs> thank you very much no problem at all bye bye Thanks, Jess. It was great to talk to you and get an insight into your life and your horses. 
congratulations on Dougie. It sounds like you've got a really good team behind you and it sounds like you've got some exciting horses for the future as well. I love how in the tougher times you've been really positive. It's really refreshing to hear that. If anyone wants to find out more about Jess, it's JD Dressage. Uh, Check her out. And as always, thank you so much to everyone that listens and shares my podcast. Until next time.